Welcome to the Facts and Firearms blog and podcast. My name is Dustin Wallace, and this week we have a really special guest, Dan Zimmerman from The Truth About Guns, uh, spoke to me earlier this week talking about this pandemic gun run and kind of the things he's seen both on the retail side, on the social side, kind of what's been going on in the blogosphere and so on. Uh, wonderful to just pick his brain and get some more information, as well as how have we responded to some of the pandemics in the past? How did we respond during different elections and during different health scares and so on? So make sure you stick around for that. But I do want to remind you that we are still in our giveaway with Gun Stuff TV. Gun Stuff TV has partnered with us to give away one of our slides with a flame fluted tin barrel for G19. So if you would like to sign up for that, the link for it will be in the description of this video. Without any further ado, let's get to our interview with Dan. All right. Uh, well, for those of you who are jumping on the stream, thanks for joining us. Um, this is our first Facebook live stream doing a remote interview. So uh, bear with us if we have any uh, video things that might seem to be going awry, but hopefully um, uh, you'll be able to hear the conversation and uh, know what we're talking about. And uh, we'll have this all edited and cleaned up for you um, when it comes time for the podcast to be published on Friday the 20th. But with me today is Dan Zimmerman from uh, The Truth About Guns. And you may have noticed that we do uh, quite a bit um, when it comes to content curation of uh, quoting and, and copying some of their, uh, some of Dan's work specifically. And uh, Dan, thank you so much for making some time for us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, you know, I've been tuning in to mostly, you know, some of your... Uh, most recent content when it comes to basically this gun run and in light of the pandemic and uh, especially how it's being publicized. Um, and you even had an article that came out just a couple of days ago about how a lot more Americans are learning what goes into buying a gun, uh, that there's more to it. Um, and, and also dispelling some of the myths that people could just like walk in hand over some cash and, and pick up a gun from, you know, a reputable dealer. So if you want to mind, just kind of give us the overview of, of what you've been seeing and kind of what the general sentiment has been, uh, I think we'd like to hear that. Well, yeah, I think the, uh, the narratives that have been pushed by a lot of anti-gunners like Diane Feinstein and all kinds of politicians that uh, guns are too easy to get in this country. Anybody can uh, go online and with one click, get a gun. Um, uh, that's all being dispelled for an awful lot of people now, because during this big gun run, you're getting a lot of first time buyers. We've talked to retailers all across the country, Florida, Illinois, Washington state here in Texas. They're all saying the same thing. They're getting a lot of first time buyers. Um, a lot of people who are on the fence are never even considered buying a gun. Uh, they hear that there's now officially a national emergency. Um, they start thinking that, you know, in a national emergency situation, police may have other things to do and other priorities. Um, and uh, handling a break-in, uh, you know, what may have been a five-minute response time, which is still a lot when you think about it, but what may have been a five-minute response time may now be a half an hour response time. If that, who knows? Um, the other complicating factor, something we wrote about today is a lot of police departments around the country are deciding not to arrest um, 
lower level offenses. And by lower level, they mean drugs, burglary, robbery, uh, car theft, that type of thing. Some uh, jurisdictions like Los Angeles and a few others are starting to empty their jails of quote unquote nonviolent offenders, trying to you know, obviously keep fewer people in proximity inside those jailhouses. Uh, it's kind of hard to do social distancing inside mm-hmm. a jail cell. So um, that's in fact exactly why all these people are lining up outside gun stores all over the country. And what they're finding is that's not always, it's not an easy process. Uh, if you're unfortunate to live in Illinois, uh, and actually there's about three or four other places too, um, you, uh, you can't just walk in and buy a gun. If you don't ha- already have a firearm owner's ID card, you are out of luck. Um, you better uh, start the application process. And if you're lucky before, that took 60 days. In fact, that was so long before that the Second Amendment Foundation had uh, sued the state over the ridiculous delays it was taking to get the state's permission to just walk into a gun store and pick up a handgun and look at it. Sure. Um, but if it, now in an emergency situation, good luck. Uh, I don't think that's, I think that 60 days is probably out the window. You're probably looking at probably, I'm guessing twice that. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that the Illinois State Police, whoever their staff is behind the scenes that process these things, you don't know if they've cut back on staff, you know, close quote unquote, non-essential offices and uh, other functions in order to keep more people at home. Um, in short, it's not as easy as, as people think to buy a firearm. You can't just click on the internet and have one sent to your house. Talk to a uh, um, gun maker here in uh, Texas, uh, black collar firearms today, and they're getting all kinds of calls, including from California saying, wait, you can't just mail one to my house? What's going on here? Okay, I'll get it sent to my FFL. Wait, I've got to wait 10 days after it gets here before I can pick it up? Are you kidding me? Right. Now, this is a big wake-up call. And and obviously, I I think people very frequently, even outside of the pandemic, uh, forget to to realize that, you know, these um, FFLs, these reputable dealers, these actual real stores and shops and even online dealers, you know, they are the ones who play by the rules. It's not, you know, the after school special TV show where you see the gangster open up the trunk of a cutlass and has all these, you know, guns with serial numbers grinded off on them. Those no. aren't, you know, those aren't the, the actual people who are going to adhere to all these rules, just like you're saying in Illinois, just like, you know, we have friends uh, in Jersey who are friends of the brand. Right. They have, you know, their whole own set of issues. Obviously, mm-hmm. California has its own set of issues. Um, but one thing that you uh, mentioned in one of your articles was uh, uh, just about how gun stores are just having trouble keeping things in stock. I know yeah. we've seen that as a manufacturer. Uh, right before I got on this call with you, I was with one of our sales guys, and he was getting texts to like, send whatever you got. Send anything, everything you're clear to send anything, send it to us, you know, whatever you have, we'll take it. Um, what have you seen and, and how have you seen these, these stores kind of respond to that? Uh, I've seen the same thing. I know, uh, we posted a, um, a Facebook post in, in, inside of one of our posts yesterday from, I think it was Spartan arms in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, they did a quick, uh, Facebook live is, guy walked through the store showing all their shelving 
and it looks like a hurricane had gone through the place. They had literally about a dozen guns left. I think five or six long guns, eight or 10 handguns or something. Um, and, uh, other than that, everything was gone. All of their ammunition, all of their fire, uh, all their firearms. They're getting, you know, the big Brown truck is still working. UPS is, uh, you know, the distributors I'm sure are working feverishly too to ship out new products as I'm sure the manufacturers are to uh, crank out more. Um, okay. but, um, so they will be resupplied, but it may take a little while. So yes, it's a, uh, the NSSF reported today, uh, Nix has saw Monday a 300% increase uh, in uh, background checks um, uh, on Monday. Uh, and that it's resulted, even in non-Nix states, um, in a variety of wait time, extended wait times just to get an approval. So you get to the gun counter, you fill out your 4473, but your background check is taking maybe two hours longer. Uh, we've heard two days longer. We've heard as much as 10, more than 10 days longer in places like uh, Washington state. So it's, there's a lot involved. How does that um, compare? I mean, not, not to put you on the, the spot for stats and figures, but just even perception wise, how does that compare to maybe some of the previous, you know, more recent history gun run spikes that we've seen? You know, I'm, I'm thinking personally, like, uh, gosh, I mean, even H1N1, uh, even when there's ever been, uh, or when Ebola <laughs> was looking a lot scarier for the U.S. Yeah. than it turned out to be, you know, how does this particular one uh, compare to some of the ones in our recent history? I don't have statistics for all those other disease-related situations. and yeah. I have a feeling that there was fairly an uptick then uh, mm -hmm. because even now this stayed off of a lot of people's radar until literally last week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you, when you turn on your local news and you hear that the president has declared a national emergency that gets the attention of a lot of people that are, you know, not to use jargon, but are usually in condition white, they're not really paying attention. They don't know what's going on. That's why you saw you know, hour long waits at the checkout counter for toilet paper at the grocery store. All of a sudden people said, Oh my gosh, I got to get some stuff. Um, the other runs that we've seen, we saw a pretty good run in the run up to the 2016 election, everybody expecting, uh, that, uh, that was going to be a Hillary victory and there would be an ensuing, uh, push for regulation then. Um, and of course up till now, the biggest, the biggest surge was uh, the post Sandy Hook uh, push, right. um, yeah. and that's when we saw Ammo Geddon one. Um, we're now calling this Ammo Geddon two. Right. Um, uh, you know, and that took that took two years almost to clear completely and get shelves and prices back to where they used to be. Um, and of course, that was different. That was a political push for gun control at the federal level. Um, we consider ourselves lucky in that Barack Obama put uh, none other than Joe Biden in charge of that guy who's never succeeded really at anything in his entire life and has been on the wrong side of almost every issue ever. So that's why that that's one of the big reasons that didn't happen and nothing happened on the federal level. But it spooked a lot of people and it took a mm -hmm. long time for that to go away. You know, every AR, AR price has doubled or tripled. Um, people were buying every kind of gun in the world. Uh, how long, think back how hard it was to buy 22 long rifle ammunition. 
Uh, let alone nine and 45, you know, the more ca- and five, five, six, the more common calibers. Um, you're seeing that now. I think it's probably even worse now, but I have a feeling that the, uh, the, the longevity of this will be shorter. It's hard to tell how long this is going to last this emergency situation. It sounds like because it's not an economic situation, because it's not a, a political situation um, that's causing the, causing the run. It's the, it's the virus. Right. Once this dissipates and burns itself out, which obviously we hope it will soon, three months, four months, five months, once we get a quote unquote all clear um, at some point, I have a feeling people will calm down um, and all of that will go away um, or subside substantially. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty important factor that you just mentioned. You know, even when you bring up Sandy Hook, uh, you know that's that is because of a violent offender, right? So everybody freaks out and spikes because of a, a violent offender, and obviously, folks on the you know who want more stringent gun laws or who wants weaponry banned in general, they're pointing to a violent offender. This is a a faceless you know, kind of just offense to all of humanity. This isn't just a gun owner versus a non-gun owner. This is, you know, we're all susceptible to a particular virus, some more than others, but it's not, uh, it's not a violent thing. It's not a person-on-person crime. This is just something that is unfortunately cards that were dealt. No, and there's no legislative push, at least not yet. There's no, le- no ensuing legislative push to make it harder to buy firearms or outlaw certain kinds of firearms as you did after, after Sandy Hook, you know, something, you know, was precipitated by, as you said, a a violent individual with an AR. Um, So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not related. Now what you did see then is you saw the initial push at the federal level that didn't work. um, And that precipitated um, greatly in the efforts of people like Michael Bloomberg, to then attack at the state level. So it was an ongoing thing. And that's probably why that, why it took as long as it did for, for market conditions to return to a more normal, normal level. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you mentioned, obviously there's no legislation that we know of right now, obviously, you know, we're in Ohio, we just went through the whole deal with our primary and things kind of being delayed and, and also with that, we have folks, you know, our governor's Mike DeWine, and he's been making a lot of national news about um, uh, just how he and his administration are handling the whole pandemic in general, what's being quarantined, what's not, what businesses are closing, what are not, uh, how we're talking about things like social distancing. And the the kind of weird undercurrent that I've noticed and, and some of our staff members have noticed in casual conversations who hop on the forums. Um, you know, there are some people who are like, hey, uh, you know, we don't think it's great that all these non-gun owners have gone out and now bought all these guns and have never shot or have never trained. And it's like, you know, and, and it starts to kind of come down to this, okay, is that is that the hill that you want to die on? Or do you want to support people actually taking advantage of their Second Amendment rights? I mean, the the first podcast that we did, 
uh, me and one of our sales guys, John Farner, were talking about um, some of the stats that even you know Gallup has put out um, that most non-gun owners would consider owning a gun. If they, they see themselves owning one in the future, they just either it hasn't been super important to them, they haven't gotten around to it. A lot of people treat it now uh, like they do their driver's license. You know, you see a lot of things now where it's like, oh, millennials and Gen Z, they're not itching to get their driver's license. It's not that they don't want to or that they have some sort of ethical issue with it. They just haven't felt the, the press need. And I think now people are feeling a potential press need because this is so new to them. This type of social uprising, if you will, even if it's just against a virus, because it's it's thrown at them so much. And even with Sandy Hook, um, social media then wasn't what it is now, uh, and that's just a couple of years. And you could go all the way back, uh, you know, to to times like nine eleven when there was definitely an uptick and, and things were getting crazy, but there was no social media to speak of. And then the blog article for this week, I'm. I, try to remind folks, hey, the iPhone wasn't out until 2007. And if you did have a data connection, you were also paying for free nights and weekends. You know, it's, it's a different world. And this thing yeah. just keeps growing and growing. What do you think maybe some of the, the more negative impact, even if there is not a, a violent offender face to put on this? Uh, what do you think some of the negative impact of, of some of the, you know, the, the social media spread uh, might, might cause to the, to the industry? Um, I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen much yet. Um, on the positive side, I think people in the gun community who pay attention, I think this, to use a phrase, I think this may flatten the curve a little bit in terms of, of demand up until last week. Uh, I know I'd been watching this thing in China and start to, watching it start to spread in other places for a while. And I, from reading comments on our site, uh, some emails I've gotten from people, a lot of people have been, and they started buying ammo and uh, particularly ammunition. Um, but if they needed guns, they bought those too earlier. We're talking weeks ago when this was starting. So the real surge is in, again, those people who haven't really been paying attention. Um, even though that information has been out there and if you, we're paying attention at all. You could see it coming. There was no way we were going to be spared. This is a global issue. Um, uh, and in the interconnected world we live in, there's no way to keep the virus out of the U S it was going to hit here just like it's hit everywhere else. The question is how well we handle it. Um, and so if, again, if you're paying attention, you did, you, you probably didn't wait until there was the uh, national emergency declaration last week, you may have been doing that. So in terms of um, the availability of information and uh, social media and all that, um, I haven't seen too many negative aspects other than the fact that there's all, there are all kinds of panic mongers out there. Oh, for sure. People who love to um, stir the pot. Um, and, uh, you know, but those people are always out there. Now, may, you, I guess you can argue that they have, more, maybe a different effect in an emergency situation like we're dealing with now. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, I, we've always got people who are, who are, who are trying to get to quote president Obama, get everybody wee weed up. 
<laughs> but you know, you you mentioned a point about it maybe flattening the curve because people now see it isn't so crazy, right? So the, the people who call yeah. gun owners crazy and saying, "Well, why do you, do you really need to protect yourself with a gun? Do you really need to?" Look, I mean, take AR style guns out of it. Any gun, uh, you know, do you really need that to protect yourself and protect your family? Do you really think that they, anything in our culture is going to come to this? And now you get a taste. And and frankly, at least from what I've seen, you know, from our local media and local government. I mean, to me, I, I watch the press conferences every day and it seemed pretty, pretty tame. Like it yes. seemed pretty tame. It's not a whole bunch of threatening language. I mean, the, the biggest uproar I saw from President Trump's address today was that you know, he keeps calling it a Chinese virus. <laughs> I saw <laughs> and, so, and so that was that was probably the biggest kind of upset that that I saw kind of peak immediately after it. Yeah. But it's all been pretty it's all been pretty calm. It's just now people are going, okay, well if I can't leave and if somebody is trying to get into my house and, and get something that they don't have the resources to get and I've stockpiled this and I'm worried for my safety. And like you mentioned, how are police and first responders dealing with the, yeah. with the new workload? I mean it's it 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 doesn't take a whole lot for some of that social, social security, that felt security, uh, to to pull away and really make people think about it. Um, so I'm interested to see what the community looks like at the end of this. I, I think there's probably going to be a lot more uh, two-way supporters after this if it keeps going the way that it's going. I think that can only be the result of this. If I mean. It, it, Maybe there's no effect, but if anything, there's going to be a positive effect. Number one, you're going to get more people owning guns than have ever owned it before. Number two, you're going to get people who didn't forget how big a hassle it was to get a gun to begin with. Um, You know, they had been fed the agitprop that the anti-gun community loves to feed everybody that it's way too easy to get a gun. And then when they really needed one, they had to go through all the hassle on let's just say they lived in a, in a state where it's, you can walk in and walk out in the same day, a, a Missouri, a Texas, a place like that. That's one thing. Okay. But there are an awful lot of States where you need a, you need a permission slip to, to buy a gun. Um, and then there's a waiting period. Um, and, and maybe in, um, uh, in Washington state where it's been taking, uh, eight or 10 days for, to, to get a, uh, a turnaround and answer on a background check. Now it's taking 15 or 20 days. And these are people now that are feeling very insecure. And, uh, you know, whether that perception is accurate or not, they're feeling very insecure right now. And they want to make sure that they can protect themselves and their family and the government and all the red tape that's put up in front of them uh, uh, between them and getting a, getting a firearm. Um, that's not a good look. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, when, when, for those folks who are just uh, tuning in and again, this is the, the low production video for the week as, as we are all kind of scrambling around, this will be all nice and edited up for the podcast uh, this Friday. But, um, you know, for the folks just joining us again, people are realizing, Oh, I can't just, get online and order a gun. I, to me, it boggles my mind to think that people think that I order, you know, my 
my Costco salt and my, uh, you know, my bath wash from Amazon, and they're all going to come with the same USPS carrier. They're just going to drop them on the doorstep. And, but, but, but apparently that is maybe a much larger perception than even we have noticed because now people are like, wait a minute, it isn't this easy. Like it, you know, I'm sure I would love to be a fly on the wall at like Brownells or Optics Planet or something like oh, that right now. Goodness, just can't even people. imagine what they're going through. <laughs> okay. uh, but the, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you before we uh, uh, stop for today is just uh, today specifically, as I monitor all of our social media feeds, I've seen a lot more people uh, really start pointing fingers about price gouging um, on mm-hmm. ammo, uh, especially. Um, I will say that all the kind of larger brick and mortar retailers that I've seen um, have been adhering to the sales that they already had in place. You know, so it's not like um, Bass Pro Shops or anything like that decided like, oh, remember that St. Patrick's Day promo we were running? Never mind. Guns and butters. <laughs> the supply is down. Demand yeah. so, uh, They seem to be honoring that. But obviously, there are some big box, you know, online retailers that are really kind of getting drugged through the coals about uh, price gouging on, you know, even yeah. subpar ammo. One in particular that's based here in Texas that has a got a very got a terrible reputation after Sandy Hook and then isn't doing themselves any favors right now selling a thousand rounds of five five six for nine hundred and seventy dollars yeah. uh, a case. Um who will go on I will not mention their yeah. name. Yeah I appreciate um, <laughs> yeah. um in any situation like this, I mean you can't repeal the laws of supply and demand. Uh, right. when demand goes up, prices are going to go up. You have to understand that. Um, where you draw the line between market conditions and out, out and out gouging, I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I'm not an economist. Um, but it's kind of like the old definition of pornography. You know it when you see it. Um, and uh, 900, uh, you know, somebody was selling uh, a case of uh, 1,000 rounds of 223 for, I don't know, $180, $190 a week ago. And they're now selling for $970. That doesn't really pass the smell test. I understand. You know, if you laid in a bunch of ammo at a at a good low price, you you know it's very in very high demand now. I understand you want to make maximize your return, um, and I don't know what the legal definition of gouging is or sure. or, or all that, I, I, and I don't want to get into it. But um, again, you know it when you see it, and it, some of it's yeah. pretty disgusting. And I and I hope that we as um, you know, folks in the industry and, and you know, everybody from manufacturers to retailers to enthusiasts and brand ambassadors and all those folks, we could take an opportunity to look at this and say, okay, there are about to be and are now a lot of people that want to be welcomed into this fold and who finally see the need. Now, what type of face are we going to be showing them? Yeah. Are we going to be showing them price gouging? Are we going to be, you know, not to steal a a socially charged word, but are we going to shame them for never owning a gun before? You know, like (laughs) there are those people out there too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like we could either go, you know, ha ha told you so (laughs) and, and be real punks about it. Or we could say, okay, people have now felt the need that maybe for some of us have been instilled, you know, like coming up, if your family was a gun owner or gun owners and they told you, 
this is a, a tool, it's for protection, there's a recreation to it, there's a machining to it, there's all these important things to it, there's the, uh, the unalienable rights that we have with it. Some of those people did, that are now buying and now coming into the community did not have that instilled into them. And this is kind of the first real wake-up call uh, yeah. that has been given that, hey, this, this is probably a tool you want to keep in your box. Um, exactly. It's a big opportunity for all of us to uh, get those people, get those people to arrange, um, you know, get them into a concealed carry class, maybe certainly get them at least a basic firearm safety course. You know, hopefully this will in the long run um, help out a lot of those ranges that are, you know, getting really hurt badly now. Cause they, you know, they had to shut down. Right. Um, uh, so um, exactly. I Let's, think it could be an exciting time for opportunity for what this community looks yeah. like. Yeah, you know, and and I don't want to say that in a way of like let's capitalize on a horrible virus. No, but no it just no. It, it's more of capitalizing on people's social awareness, and we have very short memories. And say this thing does clear up in May, and once we get to election season, uh, I wonder how short the memory will have gotten if we're not careful with how we're accepting folks. Right. Uh, yeah, and you're right. People do have extremely short memories. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you're right. Uh, the one, one, one silver lining that could come out of this is a whole lot more gun owners and hopefully a whole lot more people who value the right, the uh, benefits of the Second Amendment. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, before we let you go, Dan, would you please just tell the folks where they can find out more about you and more about the uh, Truth About Guns? Hey, we are www.thetruthaboutguns.com. We publish every day, rain or shine, the internet never closes. Uh, we're on Twitter at Gun Truth. We're on Facebook at Gun Truth. I think that's our Instagram as well. Really so uh, we're all out there. We're out there at uh, all the usual uh, usual places and um, we welcome all comers. All right, excellent. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, we'll be sure to be tagging you in the official post for the podcast, but we're super excited that you took some time for us. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks.